Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. At a house in the countryside in Piedmont, northern Italy, a man sits down at a piano in a grand old room with high ceilings, takes a breath, and puts his fingers to the keys. Behind him, late afternoon sunlight streams in through the open window and bounces off the glossy black of the piano. Outside, there's a breeze playing in the trees, a little bird song in the air. But in here... When I need to feel like I'm in a beautiful place, that is the music I go to. It's very pure, it's very simple. Because the music itself is space. The man is Ludovico Einaudi. You've heard quite a lot about him by this point. What he's like to perform with on stage, the energy he brings to his collaborations, the sparks of electricity that carry his music out into the world, into your home and your heart. The only thing you haven't heard is what he makes of all this. So it's time to find out. Deep breath now, sink into your seat and experience the Ludovico Einaudi story. Episode 3, Solo. The house in Turin, I remember it as a beautiful space, as a beautiful place, because we were living by the river, uh, the River Po, which is the big river of Torino and the biggest uh, river of northern Italy. At last, he speaks. We've been circling around this moment for a while now, haven't we? Building a picture of the maestro from the stories his friends have told us. The outline of a man, pieced together from the clues he leaves in his music and his interactions with the world. But now it's time to fill in that outline. And that job begins at the house where Ludovico grew up. Just across the river from a zoo. I remember... In the night when I was going to bed and when I was waking up, I was uh, listening to the sound of uh, elephants and lions uh, and all the exotic animals that at the time were, were there. So it was quite an exotic and, and a memorable sound and experience for me. Ludovico Einaudi was born in November of 1955. Now, I know that no family is quote-unquote normal, but little Ludo came from some pretty interesting stock. Take his granddad, for instance. My grandfather was an economist and my grandfather was also the first president uh, elected uh, 
in Italy after the war in the democratic republic that we still have now. Ludovico's own dad, Giulio Einaudi, was sort of the black sheep of the family. My father was the last one of uh, three sons, and uh, he was, uh, while uh, the first uh, of the three brothers was uh, an economist, the second one was an engineer, he was more like an arty. Uh, my father was uh, in Torino because he had uh, his publishing house. Ludovico learned a few lessons watching his old man conduct business at his publishing house. None of those lessons particularly sound, fiscally speaking, but important nonetheless. He never cared about money. He didn't care about uh, publishing something that was impossible to sell. And uh, in fact, uh, after maybe 40 years of activity, the publishing house went to bankruptcy and he lost uh, everything. But uh, at the end, uh, I have a very good memory of him uh, because he was just doing what he liked to do. So it was from his dad that he learned the importance of doing what you love right from a young age. But it was Ludovico's mother, Renata, who introduced him to some of the things that would shape his entire world. She came from a musical family because her father was a conductor and also a composer. But he moved to Australia when she was only 12 years old before the war. And uh, so, uh, in a way, I'm saying this because my mother, uh, she missed her father all her life. And music for her was also the connection with her father. My mother was a very sort of poetic and irrational uh, woman. She was not the typical Italian. She was quite cold uh, as as a character. But she loved music, she loved poetry, and she loved uh, nature. The house that Ludovico grew up in was full of the sounds of his mum's music and his dad's business at the publishing house. It was a lively, artistic place. My father, uh, on the Wednesday afternoon, he had, uh, they had a, every week a, a big meeting in the publishing house and uh, some people came uh, from outside, writers, uh, philosophers, uh, artists, to discuss things. And uh, most of the times uh, after the meeting in the office, they came uh, at 8 o'clock at home and there was always on the Wednesday a big dinner. And around those, there was some uh, special guests. Italo Calvino, the famous Italian writer, Primo Levi, the other one, also Susan Sontag, uh, Now, I don't know if you're up on your 20th century literature, but that trio of writers, I mean, you could fill a library just with books about them. And one of those legendary authors in particular played a key role in Ludovico's childhood. There was one especially that was like a friend uh, to me. I felt uh, with him a relation like uh, you have with your uncle. This was Italo Calvino. Italo Calvino was, still is, a towering figure in literature, Academics have spent decades poring over his every printed word, trying to get an insight into the mind that wrote them. He was also, as it turns out, a pretty nice guy to have around the house. He was very nice to me because I, I had the passion for photography. This I took it from my father. And I was printing my black and white photographs in a little uh, dark room that I built. And Calvino was looking at my photographs and, and I remember... In one of those Wednesday evenings with all the 
people who came for dinner. We had all my photographs on the floor and he was saying, uh, making like a little contest to decide which was the best photography of mine. I really remember those moments and uh, the fact that uh, someone was interested in what I was doing was special for me. With an upbringing like that, maybe you think that Ludovico's life in art was a foregone conclusion. But he didn't see it like that even if music was a big part of his day-to-day. I was playing music, I was playing piano, and at the same time, those were the years of the Beatles. And so I had my older sister that was all the time playing the Beatles, Bob Dylan, and even my mother that was coming from a classical background, she loved Satisfaction from the Rolling Stones. And she loved to listen to any kind of music, uh, my mother too. But uh, there was not, uh, I mean, my father was not at all musical. In fact, uh, I remember in the last years when I went to visit him in Rome, I was uh, surprised to, to see he had a CD player because he was never listening to music, actually. But then I, w- I went to look uh, what he was listening to and I saw the John Cage, uh, the four minutes of silence. So. Uh, this way I understood why he was listening to music. But uh, my mother, of course, was very happy and uh, she was, every time I had doubts uh, about my life, uh, she was encouraging me about uh, music uh, and I think uh, for sure uh, she was the important figure for my musical uh, career. It was Ludovico's mum who set him on his path and who had a hand in determining where he would pursue his music. Because as magical as that childhood in Turin sounds, there was another side to it. I wouldn't say it was uh, a town where I I was feeling well. Even if it was culturally very active, uh, it felt to me uh, very tight. In fact, I always had desire to go to Milano because my mother was uh, originally from Milano and... uh, it was like uh, two different souls. Torino, very, in a way, dark and deep, but also depressing. And Milano, maybe a little more superficial, but open to the world and more easy. So I had uh, those two souls uh, in my life. It wasn't just a personal change that Ludovico was longing for. There was something in the air, a feeling that everything around him was on the brink of upheaval. I was very rebellious when I was uh, 14, 15, 16, but this was uh, when everyone was rebellious. Between 68 and 73, 74, there was a big chaos in Italy and strikes uh, in the schools, people uh, fighting in the streets. I was not fighting, but I was part of this movement. Uh, It was uh, a movement that was, uh, I mean, was part of the change of uh, costumes uh, and the historical change that was uh, all around the world at the time. When he got the chance, Ludovico took that upheaval and ran with it. He moved 100 miles down the road to fashionable Milan. By that point, he'd already been studying music at Turin's conservatory for a couple of years, and the atmosphere there was kind of stuffy. Milan, of course, it was more open to the avant-garde, to the fashion uh, of the moment, uh, and everyone was more hip, uh, and there was a lot of activity in the arts and music. Uh, there was a lot of inspiration from uh, all the side. 
So Milano was very good for someone that is starting because you, you have all the possibilities there. One evening you go to La Scala and I was going to see rehearsals at La Scala with Claudia Bado and I was meeting architects uh, like Guy Olenti. And there I met uh, actually Milano, uh, Luciano Berio. Luciano Berio was at that time one of the leading avant-garde composers in all of Europe. One night, uh, he came to La Piccola Scala, that was the smaller theater that is not anymore there. And after this uh, event, uh, I went with some people. They invited me to have dinner with him. And we started to talk a bit during the, the dinner. And at the end of the dinner, he said, would you like to come to Florence in a couple of days? I'm going to give you a little job. There are turning points in every life. This was a big one for young Ludovico. And so I said immediately, yes. With him, I started to, to work in music. It was quite early because I started with him. I was like 22 years old. And he gave me immediately a job that gave me a sort of sense, a more realistic sense of what I could do with music. He encouraged me a lot. And not only that, he was interested immediately to see also, what I was doing musically, started to look at my scores. Uh, he asked me to uh, do a transcription of my work from a small ensemble to an orchestral ensemble that he was going to conduct. So we started a very important relation for me for opening my view into the world of music. From there, Ludovico was ushered into the heart of Milan's avant-garde scene. He found himself in the midst of a fashionable group with radical ideas about art. He was living and breathing music. I went very much deep into the music uh, and I was just thinking about music, going to concerts, and this was for a few years. I think I was not so confident with myself, but uh, Berio gave me the hope. He showed me that it was possible to do something. But even while he was taking encouragement from his new mentor, something about the avant-garde world didn't sit right with Ludovico. It was really like a sort of dictatorship from the avant-garde that was saying, uh, harmony is finished, melody is over, rhythm is uh, finished. So everything was not possible anymore. And so you, you have to reconsider completely all the elements of music in a completely different way. But at the same time, I realized that uh, this uh, erasing all the past uh, was a sort of, the result was uh, that there was a new music coming out from that distraction. But the, the, the new music that was coming uh, sounded all the same, all similar. It didn't contain all the colors that the music before contained. For anyone who knows Ludovico's work, you can understand why the prospect of music without melody, harmony, color was difficult for the young composer to swallow. I grew up with so many music around me and I loved uh, classical music, but I was... As I said, I was loving uh, the Beatles, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, and so I couldn't say if I was honest, deeply honest, and I wanted to be honest with me because music was my passion. I couldn't say to me, okay, I, I have to be serious now. It's only the avant-garde, it's only Mozart. 
because it was not true. I was not, uh, it was not true to me. I, I needed uh, the feeling that uh, a song from the Beatles uh, or other great songwriters were given to me had been too important uh, to my life to, to leave them uh, apart. And the longer Ludovico spent trying to be something he wasn't, the louder that voice inside him grew. He had to be honest with himself. And so I decided that I couldn't stay, couldn't spend the rest of my life with the avant-garde. And uh, I started to, to work and see how I could manage to create a, my space of music where I could uh, hang uh, on the walls of my room, uh, John Lennon and Johann Sebastian Bach and Stravinsky and Jimi Hendrix. And so I, I started to, to explore this world, this dimension, and uh, after some experiments uh, that were not uh, particularly good, I started to see a light. Ludovico listened to the part of him that was crying out for something different. It was difficult and it was isolating, but it made him stronger. I started to feel confident uh, with what I was doing, and this was uh, the beginning of my new musical life because I started to, to feel that I was doing something that was really respecting me, respecting my vision, my soul. And I remember uh, when I started to work on this, many people that I was working with uh, in, the, in the world of avant-garde started to close the doors. And in a way, uh, I felt uh, more alone, but I felt uh, that I was doing uh, something uh, right. So what did his mentor, the great Luciano Berrio, think about this new direction? He uh, was thinking that it was too simple what I was doing. He told me that I was taking the ships back at home, uh, the ship that the avant-garde had left uh, running around the, <laughs> the fields. He told me that I was uh, taking uh, the ships uh, back uh, to the house. Even though the two had meant a lot to one another, they'd never again see eye to eye. Our views started to be diverging completely and in the last years we were not anymore in touch. Not because I didn't want, but there was something that was unsaid between us that was expressing the fact that our views were completely different. Ludovico's break from his mentor was the beginning of a new phase in his life. I started to walk alone in my strange, uh, wild territory that was uh, only mine. I felt it was my garden, it was my, my trail. It was my wild trail that I wanted to explore. And explore he did. Ludovico spent the years after that revelation writing music that was truer to who he was and the boy he had been. The one with Beatles posters on his bedroom wall, a Stones LP on the record player, and his mum tapping out some Chopin on the piano in another room. He felt more comfortable in this new place, but he still had more to learn about himself. The moment where I started to feel uh, that I was connecting more with my music, it was, I think, in 1996, when I started to become uh, a composer and a pianist together, when I started to play my music. 
It's funny to think of it now, but there was a time when Ludovico didn't really consider himself a pianist, even if he had always loved to play the piano. It took him a long time to clock that something was getting lost in translation between his composition and the performance of the piece. I was uh, searching for a sound that, that wasn't there, actually, in, in, in the pianist that I was listening to. I, was, I had something in mind that, that, I, that I searched when I was playing at home uh, that then I didn't hear when, I, when my music was played by other pianists. Ludovico, at the same time, began to notice something strange was happening when he played the piano in his apartment in Milan. I was playing at home and I started to, to receive applause from the streets. <laughs> People passing by and, and I, I started to receive some uh, little uh, notes under the door of people leaving me messages. And uh, in a way, those simple things uh, gave me the confidence of a connection that I was establishing with, with the people that was very beautiful because, I mean, it's good to have some encouragement from uh, a great maestro like Berio, but it's also very beautiful to have encouragement from someone that you don't know that is passing by in the streets. And this is maybe even more important. He took it all as a sign. I decided to make a project uh, when I wrote Leon there, a project uh, that was entirely composed, uh, performed by me. And this coincidence of uh, composing, performing, uh, singing my music in a way, made the change, created the impact on people. This was when Ludovico felt the first ripples of rapture. When he sat down at the piano and played for people. When he delivered his own compositions to the world. The world listened intently. And there would be more discoveries to follow. An important one took place a few years later, a long, long way from Milan. My experience with African music came uh, when I went to Mali in the year 2000 with some friends. I did a trip to Bamako and then to different parts of Mali. And there I met uh, some African musicians like Tumani Diabate and uh, Balakesi Soko. You met Tumani Diabate on episode two. He talked about the evening when a visiting Ludovico stumbled into the bar where he was playing with his band. I remember when he came to the places in Mali, Bamako, where I was playing every Friday night with my band called Symmetric Orchestra. Turns out that night left a lingering impression on both the musicians. I remember when I went to Bamako, there was this place. It was a place where Tumani, every once a week, used to play with this uh, Symmetric Orchestra. And it was fantastic because they were there on stage and they were playing, but at the same time, they, they were leaving. They were having dinner also during the concert. I mean, the concert uh, lasted uh, four or five hours and they were just there 
living on that stage uh, as uh, it was uh, their home, uh, their, their, their life. It was completely different from the experience that you have here in Europe uh, where you start uh, a concert uh, and everything is constricted in time. Uh, you have uh, tickets, uh, you have to sit in a place and uh, everything has rules. There, there were no rules and I love that. The whole atmosphere was unlike anything Ludovico had experienced before. It stuck in his memory, for good reason. Suddenly I found myself in this dimension and I, was, uh, I found myself, on, I was on stage with them. And I, do, I don't even remember how it happened, but I, I was sitting between them and I was, it was an electric piano, I was playing with them and the night uh, went on for, for hours and I just enjoyed it so much. Ludovico spent as much time as he could with Tumani on that trip, soaking up all the music that Marley had to offer. One song in particular got stuck on repeat in his head. It's called Marley Saggio. This song, I remember Tumani, he played to me while uh, I was in, in his car in, in Bamako. He put a cassette and he played me this uh, recording. And immediately I felt something with the harmonic structure of the song. Very simple, it's uh, three chords and that's it. But it, it, there was something uh, very emotional with this song that when I came back to Italy after uh, my first trip to Mali, I was playing all the time. Uh, when you are leaving Africa, we called it in Italy, the Mald Africa, you are missing Africa and there is a connection that you want to keep, that you are, your heart is still there and you are away from Africa. And so to heal my soul, I was playing uh, all the time uh, for I think three, four weeks after I was playing all the time of the day, variations around uh, this uh, melody. Ludovico couldn't let go of that melody. When he sat down at the piano, it was all he wanted to play. In the end, it became the foundation for his next album, I Gioni. Part of the album came uh, from that period of uh, thinking about Africa, uh, thinking about my beautiful experience, uh, thinking about this music that uh, I kept in my heart uh, for, for, for months. Now, you've already heard about how much of a breakthrough that record was. And the fact that a few years down the line, the BBC Radio 1 DJ Greg James would launch a campaign to get the album's title track into the pop charts. We decided to make it a, a hit, or try to, and see what would happen. In doing so, he brought a ton of new listeners to Ludovico. But that's not why Ludovico cherishes his experiences in Mali and the music that he heard there. For him, it just typifies the wonder of accessing a new place, a new culture. And he's been lucky because... A life in music has allowed him to do that time and time again. I played in amphitheaters in Verona, the, the arena in Athens. Uh, I played in fields uh, at the open air in places that were not meant uh, to have music. I played uh, in the Arctic in front of the glacier. And all those different uh, 
variants and possibilities uh, give you a really inspiring dimension every time to to enjoy a different uh, possibility of where your music goes and the sound changes and the people that you are playing for is changing so you meet different cultures that appreciation for discovery and exploration it's important to ludovico but he has to be careful not to get too distracted by it I have to say that uh, the more I I played around the world, the more the success uh, has been growing. Uh, I still like to keep my dimension very simple, very pure. I like to to stay with what I'm good for. I want to keep my my purity. I think uh, maybe it's uh, the key of why I keep going. I don't want to change myself. I don't want to become like a music star that goes uh, everywhere and uh, because i think it's uh, the secret for me is to keep in touch with a simple way of uh, relating uh, w- with life with the beautiful things uh, that are around you that are the relations uh, the nature that is so fantastic and important and uh, and also the fact that uh, after all you don't need so much to be happy in your life enjoying the things you are good for living a simple life keeping pure sure sounds like a great idea but how easy is it in practice when you're out on the road playing for a different audience of adoring fans every night surely that gets to your head that changes you somehow whether you like it or not i remember when i played at the royal albert hall and we were filming and everything there was a moment during the day that i felt a bit overwhelmed by the tension of of the event there was a moment where i felt that will i have the energy and the the power to be there with 6000 people but then at the end i remember i did a yoga session before the concert and everything went well for me, it's like I I try not to think too much at where I'm going to be, how it's going to be. I don't want to know too much. And uh, I try to concentrate on myself uh, and try to keep the balance that I, the inner balance that I have, uh, like I, I'm at home. It's not easy. It's not easy. I, I promise. <laughs> It might not be easy, but it's that determination to stay pure that keeps the maestro free and open and able to create. It also helps him when it comes time to collaborate with artists outside of the world of music, where there's no place for ego. Of course, when you're working on a film, you have to be part of a group of people. You you have to deal with the people that are making the movie and there must be something uh, in the relation that you establish with the director, with the editor, that is inspiring, that is respectful uh, of your vision. Every collaboration can take you into another dimension can take you to a place where you you wouldn't have gone uh, by yourself. It has always meant a great deal to Ludovico to hear the effect that his music has on the filmmakers who seek him out. It's very beautiful when I hear directors like Chloe Zhao or Shane Meadows uh, or the two directors of The Intouchables uh, coming to me and saying, uh, 
I was writing uh, the film and I didn't know how to edit uh, because uh, there was too much material and I didn't have a structure. And your music helped me to to finish, to to find the direction. This is very beautiful. I mean, it's a different way compared to the concerts uh, that give you a sense of what you're doing that uh, is very rewarding uh, to hear that uh, you have been an inspiration to people like that, uh, to such important and beautiful projects. If you listen to the last episode of Experience, you'll remember that Shane Meadows could not have been more emphatic about the role Ludovico played in helping his film, This Is England, become a masterpiece. He sat at the piano and what wasn't a film became a film. As you can imagine, I'm curious to hear how Ludovico remembers that collaboration. He came in uh, in Milano and we watched the, f- the film together and I was so moved by the film and uh, so I immediately said, yes, I want to, to work with you. And uh, we started a beautiful collaboration. Uh, I was working from Milano and... Uh, I was sending back and forth the music to the editing room uh, in in England. uh, And actually, there was a very difficult scene to do because the topic uh, part of the film, uh, very dramatic at the end of the film, and it was all with my music. And I was doing uh, a lot of takes. It was a a piece with the solo piano that I was performing. And I remember I sent uh, the music and then uh, he sent it back and he said, fantastic, I've done something to the sound and they they slow it down a bit to make it even more dramatic than uh, I thought. It was really beautiful what, what they did. This year, Ludovico has seen the music he's created accompany two feature films on their path to critical acclaim. Both The Father and Nomadland have been nominated for Best Picture at the Golden Globes. And even though he's been doing this for decades now, that alchemy of image and sound working together is still a little bit mystical to Ludovico. That's why he likes this work. I'm very happy about the the project uh, that I've done recently with Nomadland. The film is extraordinary. It has a, a very personal vision. Also, it has a vision that I share completely. The way the music interact with the images is not predictable. I think the music adds something that you wouldn't associate with that kind of movie, this kind of American road movie. So my music, in a way, opens. And I love when uh, there is a conflict between a, a message that you receive from the images and with the sound that you hear. And I think sometimes it can create uh, like a tick, something that is completely unexpected that takes, really opens the significance uh, of the moment that you create. Thank you. 
When we heard from Chloe Zhao, the director of Nomadland, this is how she described Ludovico. He's, as I imagine, someone who's just so connected. Someone who just has a, a really peaceful presence about him, you know. I can talk to him for a long time. I feel very calm. <laughs> In fact, that description of a man at peace with the world has come up time and time again. So I'm wondering, is it a word that has meaning to him? Does Ludovico feel particularly at peace? I don't know exactly. I need to stay in a protected area to be peaceful because uh, I'm not exactly, I don't think I'm completely a, a peaceful person. Not because I, I, I'm angry, but uh, I, I could get uh, nervous about things uh, and it takes me a lot of work and also the way I I deal with music the way I express my music helps me also to to be peaceful I so it's like a sort of uh, personal meditation for me to to make music how I make music how I I see it I see the sounds as elements in the space and they they need uh, space to balance together one with the other. Creativity is personal meditation. Yeah, maybe that's the secret of the man who calmed the world. Ludovico tries not to think too much about what happens once a melody leaves his fingertips. The effect that it has out there in the world but he does, of course, know that people find peace in his music. And he has a couple of theories as to why that might be. I think it's also the way I feel a sound, the way I, I search for an, a sort of natural quality. And uh, I'm very sensitive about uh, things are done, how an instrument is made. Uh, I like to explore things that are unique and that uh, makes me feel uh, good also. It's a sort of uh, creating a world around me that uh, is uh, giving me peace. I like uh, that the world is a special uh, place. I like to be surrounded by something that is uh, special and that is unique rather than having uh, things that are common. In that sense, I like to go deep in what I do and to create things that are precious and uh, I think this is also the secret, uh, maybe, of the interaction that I create with, with the others. Because uh, you feel uh, that you are in touch with something that uh, uh, is not easy to find. So, does he have to be in a peaceful state to write a song in the first place? It depends. Uh, it's something that I really cannot say. I think when I have too much, uh, too many thoughts, uh, it's more difficult to to take uh, the music. I think uh, it's a lot of times uh, it's when you are not thinking too much that uh, something happens. And uh, this is why I started to, since uh, I stopped for now uh, doing concerts, I write a piece every day. And in any situation I find myself... Uh, I just take uh, some time to to put down an idea, like sketch an idea, draft idea. It's a sort of diary, it's a sort of journal that I take, a musical diary. And uh, I would say that not every day, but every three, four days, there's one good idea 
that you keep. But those ideas remain a little bit mysterious to the maestro. To the extent that he can listen back to a sketch of a tune and not understand how it came to be. It's quite beautiful to to not know why they arrived, how they arrived. Of course, there is inside what you do, uh, there is uh, your background, what you have studied, what you have written, uh, what you have read, uh, what you have listened, uh, all your life is there. What you're doing uh, one day is the result of what you've been doing for all the years that you've been living. But sometimes it's good not to question too much how and why you do things. One thing he does know is that he writes better when there's someone else nearby, going about their business, a small audience to hear him at work, just like in the old days when people would applaud from the streets below his apartment. I always like the fact that that there is someone listening to it, even if you're not in the same room, but uh, the energy that is uh, coming from from your instrument, from my piano, it's touching uh, the heart of someone. This is something that I always enjoyed. I I prefer that than being completely isolated uh, in a cave uh, where nobody can listen to me. It's nice that you're touching uh, immediately the life of someone. And what does that music mean to the people that the maestro shares his life with? I think my wife and my little daughter now that are living with me, even if they don't say it every day, of course, when, when you are living a normal life, you don't say, uh, it's great that you're playing. Uh, but uh, I'm sure that there is something that comes out from what I do that they enjoy. I think it's like uh, when someone is cooking, uh, you enjoy the flavor that is in the house. And it's. I think uh, with music, I remember when I was... Uh, a child and my mother was playing uh, Chopin and uh, for me it gave me the sense of the house. It gave me the sense of a fireplace that was open and uh, on. After so long spent in the company of people who idolise the maestro. I've wondered what it is about his music that keeps me coming back again and again. The artists who've been inspired by his work I always felt the first time that I heard his music that it was music for cinema. It was music which tells you a story. The collaborators who, despite knowing him and working alongside him, still think of him as an enigma. Oh, my God, the first time I heard Ludovico and Adi. Oh, my God. It's odd now to get a glimpse of this Ludovico. The dad, the husband, the son. It makes me wonder how he reconciles those two things. How do you hear these stories about the impact that your art has on the world and keep it just separate enough to continue creating, free from ego? I heard, uh, I would say, hundreds of times, all different sorts of stories, people uh, that are inspired, the people that are ill and they, they listen to my music, uh, people that are studying uh, It's incredibly beautiful and rewarding uh, as artists uh, to hear that. At the same time, I try not to think too much uh, of those uh, things because uh, I don't want to feel too much responsibility. It's not that that stuff doesn't matter to him. It does. Enormously so. 
I feel honored and rewarded by that. Uh, but as I said before, I want to keep my soul uh, in a way pure and uh, clean from all that. Not because I, I don't like it, but uh, I think uh, to continue, you need to forget about things and uh, I need to forget. Because it's when he forgets all of that that he makes the music that people will remember him by. I just want to be Ludovico. I want to be inspired by my walks and by the sun that I see coming from the window. And uh, this is how my art comes and how I can create something for the others. So we're back where we started, with the light streaming through the window and bouncing off that piano. The man takes a deep breath, tries to clear all the noise from his head. He thinks he might feel a melody hovering somewhere nearby, to be plucked from the air and sketched out on the keys at his fingertips. But if not, no big deal. Tomorrow's another day. And the next moment of inspiration, well, it'll come when it comes. Thank you for listening to Experience, the Ludovico Einaudi story. Experience is a cup and nuzzle production. It was presented by me, Joe Dempsey, produced by Frank Palmer, and engineered by Chris Denman at Skyrocket Audio. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.